0: Good morning. It's good to be in God's house for the next few weeks. Pastor Sam, for those who don't know, uh, is on vacation together with uh, Kirk and Julie. So pray for them while they're away for refreshment and for good rest at this time. And uh, we'll have a few other people preaching in the afternoons. And thank you to those men. Thank you for those who play while Kim's away and while she's here. Also, we do appreciate the work. Our musicians do and make uh, it much easier to worship God in song. So we're in James, the letter of James, and we're coming right to the end to the second last uh, study in the letter of James. And we're in chapter 5 and we're looking at that section from 13 through 18. And we'll consider the last few verses in this section today. But let's read that passage together again. James chapter 5, picking up at verse 13 through to 18, this is the word of God. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with like nature, like, uh, a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, our God, we pray that you would be with us by your spirit as we give attention to your precious word. Oh, Lord, continue today and every day to teach us to pray. Bless our time together, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Our text today is really 16 and also with verses 17 and 18, the main thrust, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Well, we started talking about prayer early on in this section. In our study last Lord's Day, we considered the importance and the benefits of confession in prayer. And our prayer should always have an element of confession in them, and just as confession is an important element of prayer, as we've seen in James in his teaching and in his teaching on the recent prayer of the sick, so or so is faith an important element in prayer. And the Christian religion is a religion of faith, and the scriptures teach us in fact that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need to believe in God who has revealed himself through natural revelation. We can look at the skies, we look at the trees and say, wow, God created the heavens and the earth and the things that have been created. And more importantly, we need to believe in God through the revelation of himself in the scriptures and as he is revealed to us in his son this last way in which he has spoken to us through his Son. It is through faith alone, by grace alone, that we come to God through his Son as the Father, as John teaches us, by the Holy Spirit draws us to his Son, to Christ. And the Scriptures also teach us that believing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which is essential if you want to be a believer. You have to have believing faith, saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a gift. It is a gift, the Bible teaches. It's not of works or of any merit of yours. It's not through attendance and multiple prayers or giving to the church or trying to be good. It is a gift, as, Romans, as Ephesians 2 teaches so well. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. And in the same way, James has already taught us that our prayer should always be prayed in faith. Even in that apostolic prayer that we uh, studied earlier. Faith in the promises of God, faith in the revealed will of God, Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as we come to pray because he is our mediator and faith in the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us he teaches us how to pray through the word of Christ and without faith it is impossible to please God. And without faith it is impossible to pray effectively. The apost- apostolic prayers of faith are just that. They are prayers of faith. And in the apostolic age, the miracles of healings and signs there required faith. An extraordinary faith, it would seem, in the recipient as well as, as in the petitioner there. Remember chapter f- uh, fift- verse 15 of James 5. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will Raise him up. Well, we conclude the section verses 13 to 15 today with the teaching of the Holy Spirit through James, which proves to us, showed in the example of Elijah, that God works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous. This is what James is teaching in this verse and these verses today, that God works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous. And it's important to note at the outset, this is not an apostolic promise only, but a perpetual promise to the church of the effectiveness of prayers of the righteous. And you may say, well, the apostles were different. Yes, they certainly were. Well, the apostles apostles had the Holy Spirit come upon them in great power, and and they just touched people. People touched Paul's hanky, and they were healed, and so on. we see mighty miracles. They could pray for a man, and he will be raised up. But this, not the apostles alone or those of the apostolic age of supernatural faith that we have seen, or a special gift of faith as we had in the apostolic age, neither the ministers of God alone, neither is there a condition here of only those who have great faith to pray. That is not a condition in our text today. But as we will see, for every child of God, Even those whose faith is as small as a mustard seed. Thus our sermon title today, The Effectual Prayers of the Righteous. The Effectual Prayers of the Righteous. And like last week, we just have one main point with three sub points. You may remember this was going to be one sermon, but it didn't work out. That way. So here's our heading, if you like, or point number two or point number one for today with three sub points. And let's note again, as I've been emphasizing, that this is a promise of the Holy Spirit. Not to the apostles, and not to ministers of the gospel, not to those who have great faith or supernatural faith, and not to ministers or leaders, but to every child of God the righteous. Number one, God works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous. God works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous. And you may look around now and say, well, who's he talking about here? I don't feel like God works powerfully through my prayers, but this is what the text tells us. and We've established that it is a condition of the Christian religion that a man must have faith in God. We understand and know that, and this applies to prayer. It's safe, therefore, to say that a precondition to effective prayer is faith, as as it is impossible to please God without faith or to enter into fellowship with God without faith so it is not possible to, to, to pray if we do not have faith in God. If we do not believe Him to whom we are praying. If we do not submit ourselves to Him and know and believe that God does all things right. And God works all things. We need to have faith in God. And it's not so much as a condition as a fact. <laughs> that. The, it, it, The believer's faith in God is a fact expressed by our prayers. We pray because we have faith in God. Prayer is an extension of the Christian's walk. It's something we all do, and we do it because we have faith. We believe in God. But I also want to make something very clear today, and this is something that We get so confused about, especially in the 21st century, and as we look back at the apostolic era and the the magnificent signs and wonders that were done, and we think, never again can God work so powerfully. Let's be clear that it is not the measure of our faith that makes your prayer heard. Well, I have weak faith, so God doesn't really hear my prayers. I don't have strong faith, so God regards somebody else who have stronger faith more acceptable or more powerful. Faith is not the condition of God's powerful working. The size or strength of our faith is not the catalyst that activates our prayers successfully, guaranteeing our success. And answers that we want. God works powerfully in and of himself. This is what God does. And he chooses to use the prayers of his people to accomplish his righteous purposes and holy will. That is what God does in our prayers. His people to accomplish his righteous purposes and holy will. Now, we observed last week that confession, we said, was a pathway to to pardon. If we don't confess our sins, our sins will not be forgiven. It's a pathway to pardon. So perhaps we can say that faith is a pathway to the effectiveness of our prayers. Not the reason, but the pathway. And it dispels the myth that God did not answer or hear my prayers because my faith was not strong enough. I believe in God, but you know, my faith isn't that strong. That's why he didn't answer or hear my prayers. If only I can believe harder, God will answer better. That is a myth. That is not true. That is not what our text says. And in fact, Christ illustrated this teaching in those who have very little faith. Consider Jesus' words when the disciples you remember, couldn't cast out a demon out of a boy, I think. Yes, in Matthew 7 and 20. He said to the why could we cast out this, this demon? He said, because of your little faith. Yeah, but you see, it is the little faith. But let's read on. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So this text is just the opposite of what you think. It appears that they had no faith. It appears that this was a test to the disciples to cast out demons. And they cast him out or attempted to, and he wasn't cast out. And so God can't do this one. Jesus can't do this one. (laughs) And they had no, no faith, it appears. And Christ's teaching was simply that you must have faith for prayer. And greater faith was not needed. Their small faith did not believe in the power of Christ. They did not believe in God and his ability and Christ's ability to cast out. However, true faith was and is required. And perhaps Jesus was teaching that prayers need faith and fervency as the example of Elijah, which we'll get to in a moment. When we come to pray, we exercise that same faith in God and Christ as when we do when we believe on him. Do you believe that your sins are forgiven? Yes, I have faith in God. And it is that faith in God that brings you to prayer. And God doesn't only hear the prayers that has great faith, but even the faith of the little child, whose faith is a small as a mustard seed i must believe what the scriptures teach about prayer i must believe that god hears and answers my prayer offered according to his will and offered in the name of christ this is what the new testament teaches throughout it is not faith in my desired outcome but faith even small faith that god commands us to pray And he hears us and he answers our prayers. Brothers and sisters, do you have faith in God? Then this text is telling us God hears our prayers. And not only that, but God works powerfully in our prayers. But be that as it may. Faith in God when we pray is assumed. What then... If any, are the true conditions of this promise of effective prayer? Are there some conditions to the effectiveness of this prayer? Well, let's come to this text proper. And I've got got three short points. I think they're quite short points. Three observations. You consider in the first place, true prayer is offered by the righteous. True prayer is offered by... By the righteous. Second part of verse 16. We looked at the first part last week. The prayers of a righteous person. The prayers of a righteous person has great power in its working. Notice here, there does seem to be a condition of effective prayer. And it's not as the disciples may have thought. Extraordinary faith. Or a special gift of faith in the petitioner, as there was in the apostolic age. No, the simple condition here for prayer, which has great power in its working, is the righteous person. That's the only condition. And James here declares and proves, by an Old Testament example, the great advantage and efficacy, if you like, of prayer, whether we pray for ourselves or whether we pray for others. The prayers of a righteous person, there is a single condition in this phrase: "The one who prays must be a righteous man." Well oh, there's the problem then, I'm not righteous, not the righteous in the absolute sense. Not the righteous in the absolute. Elijah was not. And he, he's made a pattern here to us. But, but righteous in the gospel sense. Not loving or approving of iniquity. And James proves the point. He says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was not sinless He was not perfectly righteous, and God gives us an example of the powerful working of prayer of a man just like us, a man who had faith in God just like us. And you know, the fact of the matter is that James could have pointed us to numerous characters in the Old Testament who all had faith in God, any other patriarchs or the prophets or the God-fearing judges or kings. Abraham, Father Abraham, his righteousness was not in his great achievements or greater measure of holiness and sanctification or even his faith, which, yes, it's applauded in Hebrews, but it was in this simple fact. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The same as Moses, and Gideon, and David, and Elijah, and every single one of us sitting here today, if we are in Christ. The Holy Spirit is not indicating to us in this wonderful teaching, or indicating a special class of people within the church of god but all god's children have the righteousness of god through jesus christ is that not true is that not true of you as you sit here today the righteous on this earth are those who trust in the lord jesus christ as their savior and their redeemer and who do not cherish sin in their hearts As the psalmist writes in Psalm 66, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But neither are they the perfect ones without sin. This is not who James is talking about. Those perfectly, very righteous, holy men upon earth. There are no such men upon earth. There was only been one Man like that and that was the incarnate son of God in the flesh who was the righteous one spoken of in the Old Testament. Rather the righteous of those who have had their sins forgiven. The greatest prophet before Jesus was Moses and his life story is not perfect righteousness. It is anger and it is sin and it is disbelief at times. He was a man like Elijah. Like us, who sin, in thought and word and deed, they were all men with like natures as ours. And these great men are often set before us with their failings and their weaknesses, but they believed God. The righteous are those who live by faith in the Son of God, and whose sins, though many, are forgiven through the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ as we'll celebrate this afternoon. It is those who have called upon the name of the Lord and God by His Spirit has drawn them to His Son, to Christ, and they've been given the new birth by grace through faith in Christ. How? They are the blessed ones. They are the ones who are the righteous ones in whom is God's delight. Why? Because they're righteous Yes, because they have Christ's righteousness. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That is us. That is the church of Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here today, friend. And you don't know what I'm talking about. Righteousness of Christ and being a child of God. Well, there's only one prayer for you. There's only one prayer for you. and This is a prayer that God will hear if you pray it from your heart. Oh, Lord God, draw me to your Son. Show me the Savior. Help me. Give me the faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that I might be saved. And that prayer... That prayer, my friend, will also be powerful in its working. It will be the first prayer that you pray if it is from your heart that is powerful in its working, because the promise is whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. This is the righteous man, and when he prays to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, Those prayers, your prayers and my prayers, are not only heard, but God works powerfully through those prayers. It's not the prayer, nor the measure of the faith of the one who's prayed. It is God who works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous. This is what God does. This is the promise of God's word. Brothers and sisters, the righteous man prays according to the will of God. And with great confidence and to great effect. And the righteous man intercedes for himself and others in humble submission to the will of God. And God works powerfully through those prayers. And God used Abraham and Moses and Elijah's prayers to powerfully accomplish his will. And God uses every righteous saint. Those who stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ to work powerfully, to accomplish His will. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning thinking, I don't feel like I've ever prayed a powerful prayer. I don't feel like I've ever prayed a prayer in which God works with great power. Well, if you believe God, you prayed from the heart, then God works powerfully through those prayers he chooses to do that even to accomplish his great will through your little prayers each one what a marvelous truth what a glorious comfort God works out his eternal decrees at his perfect will and he has ordained to do so through the prayers of his people every one of them Christ at the father's hand right now Christ continues to work and will continue to work until the day that he comes or calls us. He sits at the he stands at the father's right hand and he takes these often imperfect prayers that we pray, he perfects them and he adds them to this great golden bowl of incense of his perfectly acceptable prayers to the father on our behalf as mediators. As mediator the powerful effect may not be stopping the rain on the earth today. It may not be moving a mountain or even raising the sick. But yes, it does raise the sick. And it's the strengthening of our faith in our prayers and our sanctification. It's the salvation of our souls being added to the church as the saints continue to pray for the salvation through the preached word of God. And I've shared with you often how my mother has been a praying saint for many, many years. She's deaf and half-blind, but she prays every day for every one of her children, especially those who have not come to faith. And slowly God is working powerfully through her prayers. Oh, when the saints pray, souls are being added to the church That is God working powerfully. And when the saints pray for the protection of missionaries in dangerous places. It is the comfort of the spirit through the word. For the one who prays when he is mourning. When he has lost a loved one. It is steadfastness and more grace. When a man prays who is undergoing. Lifelong affliction or continued ongoing affliction and difficulties. It is. When we die, the carrying of our souls to heaven by the Savior, our prayers are powerful and effective when prayed in faith to God. And may God forgive us when we fail to believe that our prayers are not powerful in their working. Because they are. Because they are. As powerful in its working as the sun standing still for Joshua On the day of battle, how powerful is the prayer that brings a sinner dead in trespasses and sins to profess faith and be baptized here in this place. God works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous. We observe in the second place, true prayer must be earnest and fervent. True prayer must be earnest and fervent. Let's just for a moment look at Elijah's prayer. Elijah was a man with like nature, like, uh, nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. There's something important we learn about two true prayer in the example of Elijah. This simple lesson. And he prayed fervently. And to pray fervently, he obviously prayed in faith. Because he believed God like us and like the other patriarchs and prophets. And we may glean lessons from most of the prayers in the Bible. And and it is a good exercise to read the wonderful prayers in the Bible. And and glean uh, truths about true prayer. But the Holy Spirit here in our texts chooses to highlight One from the prayer of Elijah, and that is this, the prayer itself must be earnest and fervent, a well-wrought prayer, as someone has written. In other words... We must give careful attention to our prayers and what we pray. If we are going to pray continually, we are going to pray with faith. If we are going to pray fervently, we must give careful attention to what we pray. It must be a pouring out of the heart to God, and it must proceed from a genuine faith and a trust in God. And from the example of Elijah, such prayer is powerful in its working. It is of great advantage to us and will be very beneficial to those we pray for. And we should view prayer completely differently in this light. Great advantage, and we are assured of it being acceptable to God. Listen to Matthew Henry. He says, It is good having those for friends whose prayers are available in the sight of God. Our thoughts must be fixed. Our desires firm and ardent. And our graces in exercise. And when we thus pray in prayer, we shall speed in prayer. Elijah prayed fervently. This is how he prayed that it may not rain. And God heard him. In his pleading and against an idolatrous and persecuting country was a context. So that it did not rain on the earth for the space of three years. Again he prayed and the heaven gave rain. And consider our finest lessons about prayer. From the prayer of Christ's teaching to us and from the Lord's example of prayer in his own life on earth. In the Lord's Prayer, the Lord taught us after which manner we ought to pray. Not that we have to repeat the Lord's Prayer, but we pray after this manner. We must have these elements in our prayers also. This is how we should pray. And more than ever, as the Son of Man, as Christ poured out his heart to God earnestly, and sometimes in anguish, setting aside his own comfort and submitting himself to the Lord's will. And often we pray earnestly, but we're not willing to submit to the Lord's will. And if Christ as the Son of Man had to do that, this is earnest prayer. This is serious prayer. This is thoughtful prayer when we pray not for our comfort. But for the Lord's will and all that I pray, I pray as far as possible according to God's will. And I pray and I bring also my desires to the Lord in prayer. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's what Christ did. And this is our model. Christ, let me remind you, before an important decision, he didn't need to. He was the son of God. But before an important decision, he sets us an example. He prays all night. And then he goes and chooses the twelve. The Son of Man prayed all night. Were your prayers earnest and fervent? Before his temptation in the wilderness by Satan. Forty days and forty nights. He prayed in the desert, fasted and prayed. When Lazarus died... Christ wept before God. When his forerunner John the Baptist was beheaded, sorrowful, Christ withdrew to a mountain to a quiet place to pray. And When faced with the cross of shame and anguish, he sweat drops of blood in the garden. Fervent prayer. And on the cross he cried out two times in prayer. All of Christ's prayers were acceptable and had great power in their working. Even the ones where Christ needed to say, nevertheless, not my will. This is God's will that I must suffer. Lord, if it be possible, we can pray like that. And that same prayer had great power in its working. God's will was that he go to the cross And we experience the great power of Christ on the cross today. And Christ now has given this great power in its working of prayer. He gives it to the church by the Holy Spirit today. And he says, your prayers, the prayers of the righteous, have great power in its working. And Christ doesn't stop there. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Christ at the Father's right hand ever lives to intercede for us. Christian, here is our privilege. Here is our right. Here is our duty to pray without ceasing, to pray believing, to pray thoughtfully, earnestly, and fervently. And the blessed promise is to the weakest. The blessed promise is to the saint whose faith is the smallest, to all the righteous in Christ, that through all our prayers, God will work with great power. So the next time you bow to pray for the food you're about to eat, be earnest. Lord, bless this food to my body. Strengthen thee me that I might serve you Give me today my daily bread. That prayer has power in its working. True prayer must be earnest and fervent. And this leads us, thirdly and finally, in the third place. And this is obvious, this has come out already. True prayer yields divine results. True prayer yields divine results. Prayer of a right person has great power in it's working Elijah was a man with nature like ours he prayed fervently that it may not rain for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain the earth bore its fruit and the instance of Elijah this extraordinary we would say efficacy of prayer is recorded for encouragement To ordinary Christians, to be frequent and to be earnest in prayer. God never said to any of his people at any time, seek my face in vain. No, but rather you will seek me and you will find me if you seek with me, seek me with all your heart. And James uses Elijah's success in prayer as proof of the power in prayer. This must be encouragement even to us in our everyday prayers. You may say, oh, but he was a prophet, and he had great work to do, and he could pray these prayers. No, this is encouragement to us in our day, everyday prayers. If we consider that Elijah was a man of like passions, he was a zealous good man and a very great man but he had his infirmities and he was subject to sin and disorder in his passions just like you and me and right after his prayer sometimes an evil thought would come into his head just like you and me and when he prayed through the night perhaps his mind wandered also just like you and me And the point is brothers and sisters in prayer we must not look to the merit of man but to the grace of God. Only in this way should we copy Elijah. That he prayed earnestly. Or as the orig- in the original it says, that he prayed in prayer. That's what the original means. Elijah prayed in prayer. It's not just enough to say a prayer, but we must pray in that prayer. Pray earnestly. If Elijah's prayer had great working, in it power in its working. Surely the prayers of no righteous man will return void. Our prayers do not return void from heaven. Where there may not be a miracle in God's answering our prayers, yet there will be more grace to the one who prays, as we have observed in James. And the knowledge and the confidence of the great power of working of our prayers should drive us to our knees more often I have a brother who is ill. I have a sister who is at death's door. I must go and pray because it's the saints' prayers that are powerful in its working. This should cause us to treasure the friend that we have in Jesus. Who not only bore all our sins upon the cross. He bore our sins. But he tells us, cast your cares upon me. Because I care for you. Pray to me and I will alleviate those for you. I will give you faith and strength to work through the trial. I will relieve the pain. I will give you sleep because I give to my beloved sleep. Prayer of a righteous man is powerful in its working. To bring our petitions for ourselves to this powerhouse. For this is what prayer is. It is a powerhouse. Our Savior intercedes and God works powerfully through His prayers. And now we are told that the prayers of His people, there is great power in its working. This is important, and we need to drive this home to our hearts that we may pray more, that we may realize and be deliberate in our prayers. And think carefully on our prayers. And be earnest in our prayers because they open and shut the gates of heaven. That is what the Bible teaches us here today. Well, there's a final consideration. We won't be much longer. We're still in good time. Regarding our prayers, there's a final consideration applicable to our souls And we mentioned it, uh, you may have picked it up, and that is this, and I quote, intercessory prayer is the sweetest and strongest form of prayer. And to intercede is to pray like Christ. How should I pray? Well, here's the sweetest and the strongest form of prayer. According to Menton, I think, I forget who said that. And to intercede is to pray like Christ. The word intercede means to act on behalf of another. From the Latin word, to come between or to interpose on behalf of someone. And Christ, whoever lives to intercede, stands between us and the Father. And this is a beautiful picture. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. Because it's by his sacrifice that we are made righteous and can approach the throne of grace. Consider Isaiah 53 of Christ. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Romans 8.34 And who's to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Christ intercedes for us. Here is the sweetest and the strongest form of prayer that we can pray. And Christ's intercessions must be the most acceptable of all supplications. And the more similar our prayers are to Christ, the sweeter and more effectual they will be. Spurgeon says on this verse, he says, While petitions for ourselves will be accepted, our pleadings for others through the precious merits of Christ will be the sweetest oblation we can offer to God, the very fat of our sacrifice, having in there more of the fruit of the Spirit, more love, more faith, more filial kindness. The apostles knew this. That is why we see in the New Testament Letters of the apostles pleading with the churches. Have you noticed that? In every epistle just about that I can think of, they plead with the church to pray for them and the work of the ministry. They're encouraged and commanded to pray for one another. Prayer is not a spiritual discipline that is just good for us. But it is how God has chosen to work among his people with great power and accomplish all of his purposes for our salvation and our sanctification. That is why it's a powerhouse. Prayer is communion with God the Father and with God the Son and with God the Holy Spirit through the word of Christ. Prayer is one of the first priorities in the church and you would be hard pressed to find the importance and the necessity of prayer not mentioned in any of the apostolic literature. And the, this priority is pressed upon Timothy by Paul, as he says to him in 1 Timothy chapter two, and verse one. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people why because god works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous that is the promise of the scriptures god works powerfully through the prayers of the righteous true prayer is offered by the righteous true prayer must be earnest and fervent true prayer yields divine results and as we close i'm just going to mention very quickly Four lessons and applications, and you may have gleaned tons from what we have said this morning, what the word of God has said to us. Lessons, application number one, be constant and fervent in prayer. Keep praying, and in your prayers, pray. Pray fervently, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, Romans 12 and verse 12. Philippians 1 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Be constant and fervent in prayer. Number two, remember that intercession is the sweetest and most powerful of prayers. Remember that intercession is the sweetest and most powerful of prayers. Because this is how the Father, uh, the Christ, prays at the Father's right hand. And this is how the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Yes, the Spirit of God who dwells within the heart of every true believer. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what, we, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Remember that intercession is the sweetest and most powerful form of prayers. Thirdly, prayer is sweet, intimate fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. Prayer is a time of pouring your heart out to your best friend, to your Savior, and to your God. It is a time of sweet fellowship. Take advantage of meditating on the scriptures take advantage by praying through the scriptures pray the scriptures back to god they are comforts and they are encouragements they are promises and they are warnings for the strengthening of our faith in prayer prayer is sweet intimate fellowship with the father and with the son And with Jesus Christ, and when we come to pray this afternoon, let's be deliberate. Let's lift our hearts. Let's pray fervently, and let's remember that this is a powerhouse. God is going to work powerfully because he chooses to use the prayers of the saints to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. Fourthly and finally, never forget, never forget. Fourthly and finally, Worship God in your prayers and always give thanks. Worship God in your prayers and always give thanks. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is full of the mighty deeds of God brought to his people through prayer. And Spurgeon says, and I close with this, Believer, you have a mighty engine in your hand. Use it well. Use it constantly. Use it with faith, and you shall be a benefactor to others. When you have the king's ear, speak to him for the suffering members of his body. When you are favored to draw very near to his throne, and the king says to you, ask and I will give, What you will, let your petitions be not for yourself alone, but for the many who need his aid. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we are ashamed sometimes when we think of our flippant prayers. When we pray just out of habit because that's what we do. Oh Father, we thank you for this precious promise. And as we see that you work this day. You intercede for us there at the Father's throne. Oh, Father, help us to intercede for ourselves and especially for others. And how we thank you and we give you praise and glory and honor for our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave us his righteousness, the forgiveness of our sin, who took the punishment of our sin upon himself, that we might be declared righteous, And because of that, the prayers of the righteous have great power in its working. Oh, Father, help us to be frequent in prayer. Help us never to neglect prayer. And help us to love one another deeply. For we pray in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen.